and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who would not win a foot race with Daniel James. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello, not Daniel James, maybe Ashley Young. Maybe Ashley Young. To be fair, not many people would win a foot race with James. That is correct. He is a fast, fast Man United winger. That is also correct. So today's show, we've got some listener questions to Mm -hmm. answer, but also we're going to review that Man United-Arsenal game. Mm -hmm. Um, Spoiler alert, it finished 1-1. It did. It was not the prettiest game of Premier League soccer I've ever seen. It was not. Uh, I would agree with that entirely. Yeah, not even close. It was two, um, it was like watching two unfinished teams. Yes, which is <laughs> troubling given the money spent by both of them, yeah, particularly right? Man United. Oh, dear, oh, dear. So we're going to talk about each goal, right? There's a Scott McTominay goal mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the first half. And then there's that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang equalizer mm-hmm. in the second half. Right. Both very nice in their own way. Yes. Yeah? But the rest of the game, scrappy, scrappy, scrappy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, let's talk tactics maybe first. Sure. What were these teams trying to do? It's a great question. <laughs> uh, it seemed like uh, I think you spotted that Arsenal were maybe trying to sit off a little bit, especially yeah. in the first half. Very four one four one. Yeah, I think they changed that a little bit in the second half, which partially explains the second half goal. Yeah, well, one nil down, right? You've yeah. got to maybe put a bit more pressure on. And for United, I have a I have a tougher time, honestly. I I think the idea was like clog up the middle a little bit. You have Pogba and McTominay there. Yeah. I think Pogba, put the tall boys out there. Yeah, I think Pogba <laughs> continued to play as more of a deep player than a more attacking player, yep. which I would argue is part of the problem and why he hasn't looked as good uh, so I think with him and uh, McTominay kind of sitting a little bit deeper and then trying to get into the attack trying being the operative phrase there it felt like United were more so like relying on attacks down the flanks to, cr- yeah. to cr- try to create some problems for Arsenal I would call this Man United team a counter-attacking team mm-hmm. right I would say that they're I don't know if it's their main plan but their most effective route of attack is to counter-attack, yeah. right? Because even the goal they score, it's from an Arsenal corner. It is. Right? So almost <laughs> yeah. their, their best their best attacking approach is maybe to concede corners mm-hmm. and then hit on the counter. Which I think does make sense when you look at, like, they're starting, they're starting front four of uh, a potentially still injured Marcus Rashford, yeah. Jesse Lingard behind him, Daniel James, and... Uh, Pereira. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah. yeah, on the other side. But yeah, like Rashford, you, he's not a hold-up striker, right? You're not going to play the ball into his feet and mm-hmm. he holds it up and you build from there. And then if uh, Anthony Martial was fit, yeah. he'd be playing centre-forward. Similar kind of player, right? Mm-hmm. Much better the ball in front of him and he's running into open space as opposed to uh, Lukaku-style holding it up and, and building something that way. Can I just say that I miss Under Herrera mostly because I wanted to say Under Herrera, not Andreas Pereira, and that's very <laughs> confusing to me still. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yes. so I think with those kind of front four in mind, it makes sense that they were going for pace and yeah. maybe hoping to hit on the break and hoping to create opportunities that way. And it really... Makes sense, I guess, if you want to look at it from that perspective. But for me, it doesn't make that much sense because you've got Socrates and David Luiz, who we've talked about many times as being a little bit clumsy, a little bit error prone on occasion. Granite Shaka, the same. And those are kind of your like main Captain defensive. <laughs> right, exactly. And that they never really caused them too much difficulty, too much pressure. There's like the late free kick that's drawn. And that's really the only time that I felt like we saw any of those three really go clattering into challenges yeah. that were sort of uh, because Manchester. United were particularly clever or caused uh, particular problems. Well, let's talk about the time that it did work, though. Sure. That counter-attack mm-hmm. from the Arsenal corner, 
that ends with the Scott McTominay goal, right? right? So it's Arsenal take the corner. It was Gendouzi, right, who had the shot. Uh, mm-hmm. They win the corner. Uh, Paul Pogba heads it clear. And I think it's Daniel James that, like, yeah. nips in front of someone. I, I really like when players do this. They sort of appear from nowhere mm-hmm. and just get a glancing header to the ball. And, and suddenly, open space, the counter-attack I think is he brings it down, which is even more impressive because it's, like, yeah. at the top of his box and he's running kind of laterally. I think he takes it with, like, his shoulder almost and then yeah. passes it off to Andreas Pereira, not under Herrera. Uh-huh. And then the counter-attack's on. Worth noting that it's Daniel James who starts it after the header, and then he gets the ball back from Pereira and drives yeah, it forward. And then he is away down mm-hmm. that right wing, and Arsenal is scrambling, 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 right? Yep. Um, so if my memory serves correctly, Daniel James squares it, looking for Rashford mm-hmm. at the far post as part of this counter-attack. It's not a terrible attempt, but it's just a little a little beyond Marcus Rashford. Well, I think part, part of it is that Rashford is trying to time his run, and so as the ball is being hit, he kind of stutter steps just very slightly, but I think that's enough to slow him down, change up his gait, so then he right. can't get on the end of that cross the way maybe he was hoping to. Yep. So then he has to chase that ball down. But I take your point because it's kind of representative of this Manchester United performance that it's maybe an overhead or a little bit too much power behind it cross in, Rashford has to go and collect it. Then Rashford spots Paul Pogba, who's now crashing at the top of the box, tries to play Pogba the ball and plays yeah. it about two yards in front of him. Pogba really tries. I mean, yeah. he's got long, long legs mm-hmm. and he sticks them out as far as they'll go. Yeah. And his toe still doesn't quite get Not there. Not quite. So no. this whole thing could have broken down, mm-hmm. right, with a, a sort of the second um, overhit pass in yeah. a row. But Scott McTominay was there to essentially like pick up the trash. Yeah. yeah. And it's a great first touch. He like kind of puts his foot on the ball rolls, and, then pull, it? and then pulls it yeah in yeah. like the same motion and then the second touch is the shot futsal? Scottish futsal? I mean that would make sense <laughs> given, given the uh, the skillfulness of this one but I also yeah. think it's just very good awareness from the top of the box to set himself up perfectly knowing he's not going to have much time yeah. to sort of uh, use the maximum amount of like uh, simplicity to get that shot off I yep. think that was very clever from Scott McTominay okay and does this deflect off Socrates who sort of is the no one's really near McTominay, right? Because mm-hmm. Arsenal have all run backwards to try and get just men men between the ball and the goal. Mm-hmm. But no one's stepping out to McTominay because he's arriving late. Socrates is the closest. I think maybe it deflects off of him, but I'm not confident. It's, I'm actually very annoyed by not knowing. I'm not trying to be difficult, but I, I think like that lack of like certainty means that it doesn't really matter. Okay. That like even well, if that's it, a good answer, I actually yeah. feel like I can sleep better now. <laughs> even even if it does, I'm, I'm concerned that that was going to keep you up. But I yeah, like knowing things. Even if it does, I don't think it really changes the the trajectory of the ball. The spin doesn't seem to be altered too much, if yeah. at all. And the, the one angle that would have given it to us, I think Kevin Friend, the referee, steps in front. He does obviously it doesn't mean to unless it's a conspiracy. Uh-huh. Uh, so and like there are certain angles where it absolutely looks like it goes off Socrates. There are certain angles from behind the goal, especially where it looks like nope, it just flies into the top corner yeah so either way i think it 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 ends up being just a well hit mctominay shot and that maybe leno sees a little bit late yeah it's leno's flat footedness that made me think it was a deflection Mm -hmm. but he also could just have had an obscured view right because there's a lot of arsenal shirts between leno and the ball and i would say that he's probably another one who is sort of adjusting to the counter-attack the ball's just fizzed across the top of the six-yard box he's probably trying to make sure he's like in the right position in case a shot comes in but more likely in case there's more possession and then a shot so maybe he's just not quite set when McTominay actually strikes it. All right, so there you go. 1-0 Man United. Mm-hmm. And you would think maybe you could say, all right, this counter-attacking game plan is kind of working mm-hmm. because 
they've created that chance. They've scored it. There's also the other chance earlier on where Pogba tackled, I can't remember who, he tackled somebody uh, in midfield and broke really fast and played Rashford through, but mm. then Socrates closed Rashford down really quickly. Yep. Um, so I, th- I thought maybe the Man United counter-attack plan was happening. Um, unfortunately for Manchester United, the playing Axel Tonzibi at left-back plan is what was their undoing and led to the Arsenal equaliser. Yes, that is definitely true. But I think like that, like the things we're going to talk about with Tonzibi are similar to like what we could talk about with that Marcus Rashford chance there or even the things we've already talked about with the goal itself is like yes the counterattacking sort of works but also if you don't have the like clinical efficiency of somebody like a Liverpool squad where they yeah. sort of know I'm going to get one touch at this and I better put it on frame if you think like oh I've got a couple t- chances I'm going to take another touch I'm going to dribble a little bit more it slows down it's just not that ruthless efficiency well, this is you Rashford need just back from injury True. right I yeah. don't think he was 100% at all no I, yeah. I was really worried he was going to be subbed out in like the first 25 minutes and yeah. it was going to be another questionable start from Ligon Solskjaer. Uh, Instead, it maybe still is a questionable start. It's just for Axel Tuanzi because yes. this goal is, I'm going to say, almost entirely his fault. Yes, if you haven't seen this or if you haven't noticed this and you have seen it, mm-hmm. um, it's a Tuanzi sort of uh, mishit pass that he tries to square to Lindelof mm-hmm. that gets picked off by young Saka, yep. who then plays Aubameyang through and Aubameyang has a nice little chip over David De Gea. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we talk about the, the details of the goal and what sort of what went wrong and how it went wrong, why was Axel Twanzibi playing left back? Uh, I mean, Luke Shaw has been injured, but then you've yeah. got injuries. I believe Aaron Juan Basaka also pulls out with injury, so maybe the idea was that Juan Basaka would start at right, Ashley Young would start on the left. Yeah. When uh, now both are injured, they move Ash- uh, Ashley Young to right side for reasons, and for they reasons. put Tuan Zibi at left back for reasons. And he, to me, the whole game, mm-hmm. he looked. I know he's a promising young centre back, right? But he looked very much like a centre back who'd been asked to play fullback. He looked very much like Antonio Valencia playing uh, left fullback to me. Because oh, really? Cool, well, cool, only because we had the conversation, I think, before the game started of like, well, maybe he's left-footed and I just haven't noticed it. And then I don't think we ever saw him touch the ball with his left foot. I honestly the think that's possible. Game. I think he went 90 minutes without mm-hmm. touching the ball with his left foot. Which is yeah. partially to explain for this uh, goal, if we want to go there yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. Because it's it's a throw in from Manchester United. It's I believe it's Swan Zibi taking the throw. He throws it to Pogba. Pogba plays it back to Swan Zibi. Yep. And he maybe could have squared this first time to Lindelof. Again, yep. if you're going to try to play quick counterattacking soccer, you've got to be able to kind of hit those passes and make quick, those decisions. Quick is one of those words. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's just how ponderous Manchester United were on many occasions in this game was distressing to me yeah. as a fan. Was, it, would you say Twan was ponderous here? Is that what slowed him down? Yes, because it's either ponderous or it's a bad first touch. But either yeah. way, when the ball comes back to him, Lindelof is in the same position he's in when Twan eventually plays this ball. So he could have first timed it there. He could have taken a touch and then played it with his second touch. The problem is that I think the first touch pops up a little bit yeah. and takes him... Pepe's on him as well. Yeah, right? it takes him the, the way he doesn't want to go. Then he has to kind of get himself situated. By that time, Pepe's applying pressure. So he takes another touch. And it's a bit of like... Uh, Shoulder to shoulder, arms yeah. get entangled, like, and then you're slightly off balance, right? If you get mm-hmm. involved in a bit of a tussle, and and I and I, I also think that Arsenal adjusted a bit more to p- be a bit more aggressive in this stepping yeah. and the pressing, especially in the second half. And you it was could definitely see the classic, like, oh, they've got to throw in deep in their own half. Let's go lock them in kind it, of uh, press, right? Yeah, but like you can see it even more as there's the realization of like, oh, he's got his back like back to the field now, Zwanzi B. He's under pressure from Pepe and you can see everybody starts kind of condensing, very much including Saka, who is, it's not as though he's like sitting on Lindelof or anything, but he mm. covers, I'd say 10 or 15 yards to be into that position, I think just to cause problems in case that ball is played. It just yeah. happens to be so poorly hit when the pass comes that it goes to Saka and not yeah. uh, to Lindelof. It's one of the best passes of the night. <laughs> 
<laughs> I would say Saka's is pretty good. Basically, yes. Saka does what Twanzibi should have done. That his its first touch and it's a like diagonal through ball for Aubameyang to run onto. Yeah, I mean it, it's good technical ability to be able to play that one time and have the awareness to know exactly where to play it. What really impressed me about it is his he's facing the. Uh, the sideline, his mm-hmm. hips are facing the sideline, but he manages to yep. play the ball like almost straight forwards, right? So he's almost like, it's like he's twisted his leg in mm-hmm. a way to play that pass yeah. perfectly. Yeah. He knows his physics, he and knows his angles. And I don't know if it's like, there's not necessarily just, it's not like he's trying to disguise it, right? It's just the fastest way mm-hmm. to play that ball through yeah. for Obama Yang to run on. Which is still, it's still in and of itself very clever and very technically skillful because you have to be able to adjust your body position to be able to put yourself in a position to yes. hit that ball because it's so difficult. So that Maybe he's able to do yoga? that so quickly. Or he's just young and flexible. That could be. Yeah. Or maybe both. You oh, never know. Both. You never know. Or he's just very good at the football. But it doesn't matter because Obama Yang's caught offside. So no goal and uh, Man United win one This is a horrible, really horrible, bad. horrible decision. It's really bad. By the assistant referee. Yes. Harry Maguire was playing Aubameyang on side by three yards? If not more, yes. And he's running out. And, and he's, he's literally standing in front of the AR. How does he, I mean, is Harry Maguire made of glass? Does he somehow like look straight through him? I, it's really confusing. Yeah. Uh, may, maybe the AR really likes Manchester United. Who knows? Uh, but because then there was a moment I was like, oh, maybe Harry Maguire is like blocking the AR's vision because yeah. he's trying to get back into like the offside line. But then I realized, well, then you would know because your vision was blocked. So yep. obviously there's a player who was keeping uh, uh-huh. Aubameyang in an onside position. Well, luckily, you know what Trump's an AR? VAR? A VAR. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> so they took a look at this on VAR yeah. and they were like oh, sir, you got this wrong. He did. And I would say he got it wrong in a couple of different ways because just calling Aubameyang offside to begin with was the incorrect decision we know. But if they were doing the thing where they're supposed to let play go on and then if it's a goal, it's a goal, but you can use VAR to kind of call that one back. That's a new instruction, Mm -hmm. right? Is to maybe be um, a bit more liberal and allow... Uh, plays to develop and don't put your flag up too quickly because we can always check it later. Yeah. This referee did the opposite. He was straight up very confidently with the flag, like claiming Aubameyang's definitely offside. Which was a problem because, and actually I would say it it was still the thing where like the ball is played in, Aubameyang gets on the end of it and then the flag goes up. Because, oh, so it was when he received it. Okay. Yeah, but it was still it was still incorrect because if you're going to like, if it's a marginal call, you're supposed to let it go and you most importantly keep the flag down. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how distracted the Manchester United players were there was some argument that like De Gea doesn't go 100% into it that Ashley Young stops and puts his hand up I think I think I, Ashley Young doesn't stop he puts yeah. his hand up but he keeps trying to close up on the angle I agree and De Gea comes out and tries to block the shot I right? agree so yeah yeah so I but I still think if, if you're the AR there you're you're supposed to keep the flag down then VAR can rule the goal out yeah if you put the flag up after getting the call wrong in the first place, it's a double mistake. And all I can figure to your point is that he was trying to say, like, uh, he's definitely offside. I've got to make like the heroic <laughs> decision here because I don't know. Yes. He's just going to dig that hole. Whew, not a great yeah. call. Not a great decision. But a great use of VAR. Yes. If you're one of the people that complains about VAR, this mm-hmm. is an obviously wrong decision. Yep. That Honestly, this goal would have been ruled out, right? That would have been it. And Arsenal fans would have been quite rightly furious, uh, say, last season if this had been allowed to play out as the referees wanted it to play out on the field. VAR corrected um, an injustice, basically. And here is the third way in which the AR potentially messed this up, though. Agree with everything you said. If he puts that flag up a little bit sooner and maybe the center official sees it sooner and blows that whistle, then I believe the rules are that the play is effectively dead and it cannot be reviewed. So if he he blows that whistle before the ball goes in, before Aubameyang strikes it, then the play is dead. It doesn't matter if it ends up in the back of the net, which was, I think, also what you saw Ole Gunnar Solskjaer arguing with the fourth official about. I see. He thought maybe the whistle had gone. Yeah, it yeah. had not, but it was very close. And if it had, 
then that's you are now depriving Arsenal of a very well taken goal from yes. Aubameyang, and it's and it's pretty unfair. It kind of defeats the entire purpose of having VAR there. So I'm glad that that wasn't the case, even though it made me physically sad when it ended up being one to one. Can we talk about the quality of the finish? Oh yeah, I think this this Aubameyang finish is even better than it looks. It's certainly a better finish than any player on Manchester United is capable All of right, right now. All right, this isn't the Taylor complaints <laughs> about Manchester United hour. This is be. the Pierre Obam- Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is an elite finisher. I mean, hour. with that attitude it is. <laughs> Uh, yes, it's it is a stupendous finish from Aubameyang because the first touch is like almost perfectly weighted to pull David de Gea out yeah. and make him think maybe he's got a chance, but also to put, take it away from him enough that he actually doesn't have the chance. Yeah. So then he has to go into sort of reactive mode and try to make himself big. But I think he does that a little bit later than he wants, which is why he does what we have, I guess, called the what's a better way of describing it? So I don't have to say the actual word. Um, a, a thing that used to be an occult symbol, but then was co-opted by um, Adolf Hitler and Co. Uh, an Austrian man yeah. in Germany does a, in the 30s. He does a shape that resembles a swastika is the there best we way we can put it. It's like left knee drops down, right knee kind of stays up, right hand goes in the air, left hand stays down. Yeah. It's a strange look. And then I think the idea is he brings the left arm up at the last second to sort of yeah. invite the exact chip like shot that Aubameyang takes. It's just he does it a little bit late. And I think Aubameyang, Aubameyang gets even more lift yeah. than he probably physically should be able to from that angle. Yeah, it's really impressive, yeah. right? It's really well done across the board from Aubameyang. Is it too much to think that... Um, so David Ahead does do this like weird swastika yeah. shape and it's been really effective when he's uh, in one-on-one situations with strikers because he manages to like cover low but also cover high at the same time. It's mm-hmm. kind of the point of it, right? You have more angles covered high and low than nor- normally a goalkeeper does because normally a goalkeeper goes down and then you can lift it over them. Mm-hmm. Um, has Aubameyang studied De Gea and noticed that as part of the motion there's this like gap on the one side that you can lift it over or is it just a bit more instinctive than that I mean, I, th- I think it's... Am I overthinking this? Yes, you're in- massively overthinking okay. it. Because, no, if anything, De Gea is trying to have them go that way. Because yeah. he wants to... He'll br- then bring the arm up at the last second, and it's like almost baiting them to make that shot. Right. It's just, I think he brings it up late. You could argue maybe it's because the flag's up. I'm not going to do that, but he might. But I would instead say that I think it's the lift that Aubameyang gets on it that really causes the problem for De Gea. Yeah. Because I do think it's he hits it exactly where he is supposed to hit it by like, trapping him into it. It's just that how well Aubameyang is able to finish it I is what causes that problem okay so it's just a mm-hmm. supreme technique manages yeah. to beat the De Gea shape I would say so that said I am not a world class striker so maybe he <laughs> is that good to be able to read that in a half second and know exactly what's coming I did enjoy Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang yep. throughout this game like because mm-hmm. of this 4-1 4-1 shape he's also asked to do a lot right and you mm-hmm. saw Aubameyang I thought like pulling out wide going left right being sort of all over the place and being an absolute nuisance for mm-hmm. that, throughout the entire game for yeah. Arsenal no I mean, yeah. I mean he was as effective as you would expect on and off the ball and obviously gets the goal so yeah. I'd say a very good performance from him in what was not a very good game right not a very good game I wouldn't say a performance that either team is particularly happy with I'd say Arsenal probably happier of the two I uh, guess for an away draw as a result yeah. right? but not I don't think as a whole team performance no, yeah. no. but I think when you go down 1-0 to be able to change your game plan fight back uh, essentially, like keep a, a unified defensive game plan intact. Obviously, yeah. though, there's the one goal, but that's from what twenty yards out, and it's a rocket. Yeah. It's not as though they were kind of consistently torn apart, and then Leno had true. to stand on his head. I mean, they did start with three defensive midfielders, right? Yes. Shaka, Torreira, <laughs> and Gendouzi. Well, that'll do it. Too. And then they did. I think actually, to give Unai Emery credit, he did by bringing Sabayas on. Yeah, maybe just opened up that midfield a little mm-hmm. bit, made it more attacking. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I still think you only need Torreira and he could do all of it. I would agree with yeah? that. Yep. I give Torreira the job. Especially because Shaka does not seem like the type of player who you will want 
trying to put out fires and go out mm. and like go on patrol. Like he seems like a player that you want to have the ball and be sort of static. So yeah. him combined it's with Genduzi, like a poor man's Chubby Alonso. Yes. So putting him with two kind of high octane charging all over the place midfielders, theoretically, you could say it makes sense because yeah. then like they're doing all the work and Shaka can stay home. But really, what ends up happening is those two are trying to put out fires elsewhere. So then Shaka himself has to step to to yeah, yeah, like yeah. plays at the very yeah, last like, second. It's like it's inside out. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's it's not the best. I wouldn't say. I don't. Right. I don't quite get that one. I'm sure Arsenal fans will agree. I should add, Arsenal fans, from what I saw, were not thrilled that on the McTominay shot, it looks as though Shaka ducks his head down and it goes right over his head we watched it a bunch and we think that yeah. maybe he was trying to get ahead to it he's actually trying to like, like yeah. play it like head it he's trying to like yeah. nod at it and I think but just misses it right yes and maybe there's slight deflection that may have happened uh, as part of why mm-hmm. he misses it or maybe it's just like it happened so quickly that he can't quite get his head to it but I'm convinced he's not ducking out of the way he's just uh, making a a not successful attempt at heading the ball away. Well, I'm sure he will appreciate that. Yeah, yes. there we go, Granite. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think we'd talk 20 minutes about that game, but somehow we did. I figured we'd find a way. Yeah, accidentally, yeah. right? All right, we've got listener questions to mm-hmm. get to. But first, today's show is sponsored by our friends at Talisman Caps. Our friends at Talisman Caps, providers of world quality, a high world class, high quality, world quality, world class, <laughs> high quality. Come on, get with the portmanteau, Daryl. Come on, you're better than that. <laughs> uh, yes, they, the, uh, they make caps of all shapes and sizes for all different teams but they also offer much much more than that uh, they've, I got, know. This, they've got lots of new offerings i found their accessories page mm-hmm. there is all kinds of wonderful like gifty type stuff yeah. on there right? if you're doing some well early said. holiday shopping mm-hmm. maybe some birthday shopping um you you can definitely find it on the accessories page yeah they've got uh they've got bottle openers they've got flasks they've got different types of glasses ranging from they've got like the the pirlo wine glass the stemless yes. uh, wine glasses with pirlo on the front so it's pirlo playing holding yep. a wine glass and a, a wine bottle. On a wine glass. Yes, yeah, I love so, that one. wine and pillow is the theme. Yes, uh, but then they've, they've got other things like the campfire mug, I think is the one that you spotted. I it's a nice like, teal mug. ceramic mug. I'm a big fan of that. With support local on mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I like it, I like it, I like it. And then they've got some of their uh, designs then uh, framed in reclaimed wood, yep. right? So they're reclaimed wood uh, framing some of the uh, popular talisman caps designs and so if you're I guess like, it doesn't have to be a cap you can hang it on the wall you can put yeah. it on your desk that kind of thing or if you like to just wear your art as Daryl does uh, Daryl loves tie-dye <laughs> there's lots of tie-dye options on here I so they are paying us to promote stuff mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm willing to promote the tie-dye <laughs> if you like tie-dye there's a lot of tie-dye design. <laughs> I think I think you're better off elsewhere. I think they've got many, many other options that are uh, quite wonderful. And yeah. then in terms of the hats, uh, keeping it on theme for the day, they do have the – is it the bromance hat? Is, it, yes. is that what you call it? Yeah, it's Lacazette and Aubameyang yeah. doing their, their famous handshake and head, uh, head bow. So if you're pleased with Aubameyang's performance, obviously not Lacazette's. Yeah. Um, missing, like, he's coming back from injury, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you could do that. You could do the Gunner Cannon. They've got that hat as well. So uh, they've got a lot of different arsenal options for you. And if if you're a Man United fan, then you should maybe just be quiet and don't buy anything. <laughs> and if you want to get 10% off, go to talismancaps.com. The link will be in the show notes. Use the discount code TOTALSOCCER10. TOTALSOCCER10, and you'll get 10% off if you spend $35 or more at talismancaps.com. That is if true. If you want to spend it all on tie-dye, 
Be my guest. Go for it. I won't judge you. It is worth noting they also do have the clearance section, so you could oh, yeah, go in yeah. there and combine a bunch of different things yes. into one big order that's $35 and yes. then get the 10% off of that. But there are many That'd things in there. That'd be a talisman caps bonanza. It certainly would. Yeah. There's different caps that like... Do your holiday shopping early. You can do like 12, $12 caps, I think I saw in there. Yeah. I think the mug I mentioned was like 7 bucks, like re- reduced down. So lots of different uh, like bargain prices for you in there as well. Ooh, my birthday's coming in... Actually, far too long. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you very much to Talisman Caps for sponsoring today's episode. As Daryl said, we've got a few listener questions to get yeah, we to. Do. The first one comes from Ref Joe, uh, who I'm assuming is an official. Uh, Ref Joe asks if. He Christian... was running the line, I think, in the menu at Arsenal game. I don't like Ref Joe anymore <laughs> then. If Christian Pulisic got buried on the depth chart at Chelsea and needed a January loan move, which three hypothetical clubs. I'm going to pick real clubs. You want to pick real clubs? Okay, cool. Uh, Would you root for for him to move to? We are both going to make that joke. Well done, sir. (laughs) Uh, Ref Joe also says, Daryl and Taylor can both have three. Okay. All right, here's my first one. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Yep. Manchester United. Yeah. I, I know you're going to say that. The only issue here is, like, are we going like with realistic ideas? Because there's no way Chelsea are loaning Christian Pulisic to Man United. It's too much of a straight rival. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I take, but like, I think it's still. We can maybe let's remove it and say like, no, they really just want to develop him. They'll take any opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Man United are going to pay his full wage. They can also do a thing where like he can't play against United. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that mm-hmm. clause in there maybe. I think the way Man United are playing this counter-attacking style yep. we talked about earlier, um, it would suit Christian Pulisic beautifully. It suits Daniel James, and I think they're in some ways. Similar players, and they both like to pretty much accelerate as soon as they get the ball mm-hmm. um, and go at people. I could see Man United lining up with um, Daniel James on the left and Christian Pulisic on the right. I think that would be glorious. Why? Why? Mm-hmm. Because he would get the space to run at people, and he'd be playing in a system that suits him. And I also just I know Pulisic as a kid was a Man United fan, mm-hmm. so it would be kind of like turning this. What's turning into a bit of a nightmare at Chelsea into a dream scenario for Christian Pulisic? Do we know for sure what the deficiencies are that are having him be left out? Which we've talked about before. No. It's like, you know, it's it growing actually, pains and everything. I read uh, yesterday, uh, Joe Prince Wright uh, had a quick chat with Pulisic yeah. after Chelsea's win over Brighton where he didn't play. We, did we read the same article? No, I, maybe. If it's the quote that you're about to say, then yes. Well, uh, Joe, Joe asked Pulisic, has Lampard said <laughs> yeah. to you what you need to work on? And Pulisic just said, no, he just said work hard in training and, uh, do and your best. like get your back get your yeah. way back into the starting so it'd 11 it'd be nice to know right? I think Will Parchman retweeted that with the caption Frank Lampard seems neat <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I mean, think honestly I think it's about just having impact in games because we wa- I watched that EFL Cup thing and saw Batshuayi have an impact mm-hmm. saw Barkley have an impact saw Callum Hudson-Odoi have an impact they all got on the score sheet I think mm-hmm. and Christian Pulisic somehow didn't that's interesting because yeah. I, I kind of assumed that it was maybe at least a key part of it was physical and physicality and size it could and strength. Be part of it, yeah. And if that's the case, I, I, I hesitate to say Pulisic would thrive in like a counterattacking system that we saw today that was pretty physical. There was a lot of physical challenges yeah, for Manchester yeah. United. But the idea away from that, I, it had not occurred to me about like the ruthlessness of it. I think I've told this story before, but when I was a place kicker in college, I had to do an onside kick and the coach asked me like, all right, you're up. Can you do it? And I was like, I'll do my best. And he was like, nope. And then and he gave it to the next kicker who was like, yes, I will do it. And it was like – I've never heard that oh, yeah. before. I'm and, sorry for laughing so loud, but it's, it's I, kind of an excellent story. My, my, I was not ready for and the – a life like, lesson maybe? Yeah, I was not yeah. ready for the southern football coach. Do or do not, there is no try. Exactly. And and that was kind of the attitude. And it You'd had, never get a ship out of a lake. I would probably not. No, <laughs> that is true. 
Only through like maybe physics and even then definitely not the force. I'd call a tow company. Yeah, that's probably the better way to do it. (laughs) But I say that like your idea of him not being ruthless enough in that EFL Cup game, at first I thought like, ah, but like, you know, maybe that wasn't what he was asked to do. We talked about this. Like maybe he was asked to come in and like – Yeah, and like and help out and find passes. But maybe it is Frank Lampard being like, no, like you got to go get yours. Show me that you deserve it. And he instead was a little bit like, no, you go ahead. And like maybe – Yeah, when you're trying to – be too English and polite. He's learning too much English. Exactly. When you're trying to get to the starting <laughs> 11, there's no holding the door. You slam that door in your teammate's face, yeah. apparently. Um, All right. So, so that, that's, my, that's my pitch for Man United. For Man United. Yeah. All right. Uh, the thing is, like, there are many clubs out there that I think would be good for him. But yeah, I do, think, I'm I do st- still think he probably needs to stay in England, which okay. is the kind of confusing part of it because then you are loaning him to potential rivals. Mm-hmm. So, like, I ask you this. Would Wolves be a good spot for him? Wolves is going to be one of my picks. Okay. Wolves, I think, yeah, because especially it, it would not have been a good uh, spot for him because we were playing this 3-5-2. Yeah. So it was Jota and Jimenez uh, up front, and then the width came from wingbacks like Doherty and Otto. Um, in the last two weeks, Wolves have switched back to the 3, uh, sorry, yeah, 3-4-3, three, three, mm-hmm. where you have Jimenez and then flanked by two different wingers, right? So okay. now there is a situation where Pulisic could be one of those two wingers, and I think... I think would be welcomed at Wolves because he'd be of a, at least the same or higher quality as players like Adama Traore. Yeah. So yeah, right now he would fit in beautifully. I would be absolutely over the moon because it would also balance out that thing where Wolves maybe star player right now is a Mexican national team player. And it always makes me think, <laughs> what if that was a US men's national team player? That would be exciting. Yeah. yeah. All right. So yeah, you, you need you need the uh, the Concacaf balance to yeah, make yourself feel yeah. better. Balance, All right, bring some balance to the force. And I like you know blue to yellow. It seems like a uh-huh. an okay transition. But it's also I think Chelsea maybe wouldn't see Wolves as a direct yeah. rival. So maybe it's obviously more realistic than loaning him to Manchester United. Do you think they probably don't see Everton as that either? Given that Everton are very much near the bottom of the table. Yeah. But that's another one where like we know They're loaded with ring- wingers, right? Like Richarlison. Yeah, who aren't performing. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe maybe they need another one to come in and <laughs> and fight his way through or not. <laughs> Uh, but there is the existing relationship in loans from Chelsea to Everton. So that's the yeah. other thing I was I was trying to factor into this. Like, I don't really want him going to West Brom. That's where Chelsea players have gone before. Yeah. I've seen jokes about him going to Vitesse. I really don't want that one oh, either. No, no, no. So I, th- I do want him to stay in the Premier League. So maybe it's Wolves Are we aiming too high with Man United and even Wolves, though? Is it more like he he should be going to Brighton? <laughs> I, I mean, so there is that argument to me. Castle, that's or? the thing is like there yeah. is that argument of you put him in a place where he's going to get to play a whole bunch. And yeah. honestly, if the issue is he can't handle the physicality and speed of the Premier League, then getting him experience at any club at any level in the Premier League probably kind of accomplishes that goal because he yeah. gets knocked around. But if he is that like next level player for a team like Newcastle or Brighton, yeah. then he's going to get those minutes no matter what. I've got a weird pitch. Brighton also, I, you, you maybe have sold me on Brighton. I'm not going to lie. I haven't really thought it through. Like, I don't really know who their wingers are or who he'd be replacing. I can tell you this. It doesn't really matter. Like, they have, like, <laughs> Jahan Baksh came in. He has been a disappointment. A lot of their attacking uh, signings in the last two or three windows have not panned out. Yeah. And they are now not nearly where they want to be. They're still out of the relegation zone, but they're not. Like, they got rid of, um, I forget his name. Not Dimitri. Uh Yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of the other managers who's been in and around that team. Uh, because he wasn't attacking enough, they bring a new manager. He's still not really making it happen. And so maybe that's where Pulisic needs to go to be that wide attacker who can actually perform consistently for Brighton. And Potter? Graham Potter? Is yes. that who their coach is? Yes, Thank yes, you. Yes. All right. Um, I've got a weird pitch for you. So say you send him back to the Bundesliga uh-huh. where he's been comfortable. Um, not back to Dortmund, right? Because they've got Sancho, they've got Royce, they've they bought Thorgan Hazard. That always feels like a bad thing. And it, it feels like a move backwards, right? Plus, they technically already loaned him back there once. Yeah. Um, but how about this? 
nearby city, mm-hmm. team that could use some extra attacking oomph, mm-hmm. American teammate, yeah. Pulisic to Schalke. Yeah, I had a feeling that's where we were going Pulisic with that one. Pulisic to Schalke. Dortmund fans would hate it. Schalke fans, I think, would be okay with it. But So I've been watching a lot of Schalke this season because I'm obviously watching Weston mm-hmm. McKenney. So much of what's been good about them this year is Amin Harit, mm-hmm. right? the attacking winger who's finally given them some attacking uh, thrust. Mm-hmm. But it's really only Amin Harit. Yeah. So if anything were to happen to him, like he just gets injured or out of form, I don't see them having another winger that really delivers. So I think Pulisic to Schalke would be a great little six-month loan. I don't have a problem. And then with, he's familiar with the area. Yeah. And he's familiar with him and Weston McKenney are buddies. Mm-hmm. I think it would. I definitely watch Schalke games even more so. So I understand why you're saying that, and not to be difficult, but I really don't want that to happen. Why is that? Because it's exactly what you just said. It's him going back to a league that he's familiar with, to a place that he's familiar with, yeah, yeah. to a teammate that he already knows. Like I, I think, but think bigger picture. Like this could be when we're doing World Cup qualifying and we need him to be playing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm thinking bigger picture. His career okay. is what, what, what I'm looking at, and I want How like because this picture. You're because at? I want it to be if it is like. Like he's got to develop like like size and speed and the ability to deal with the physicality and the ability to deal with the pace of the Premier League. Sending him to a league that isn't the Premier League and kind of makes him feel more comfortable, I don't think helps him. I think if you send him to a place where he feels uncomfortable and has to rise to the occasion okay. again, so you're kind of saying uh, in terms of his loan, you mm-hmm. think Premier League only is the really the way to go because yeah. at least then he could be proving himself. Yeah, in the yes, Premier in League. his theoretical hypothetical loan. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's the only way to go, and it has to be the Premier League. Really, so I think I'd be happy then with anything like Watford. Brighton, any like mm-hmm. lower level Premier League team where he would get a good chance at starting, yeah. I'd be happy. Let me ask you this then. Would you actually be happy with a loan? If it were the case that he really wasn't playing very much, he was only getting like League Cup minutes and occasional like substitute cameos, are we happy with him getting a loan? Because it means he's going to get to play more, but it feels it's also like he maybe should have been further along or we thought he was further along. And to be loaned out means that maybe he is not in the first team plans right now. I mean, yeah, I mean, if that turns out to be the situation, mm-hmm. like, there's evidence that he's not in the first team plans right now if he's just sitting on the bench this and not true. playing, right? So you may as well loan him mm-hmm. at that point. The evidence of him not being in the first team plans is the same either way. Right? Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's also been pointed out that a couple of players who didn't get enough minutes at Chelsea and had to move on were Kevin De Bruyne and Mohamed Salah. Mm-hmm. So he's not in terrible company right now. Lukaku as well, I yeah. think, in there. At similar yeah. ages, right? Uh, so, Robin, I think? <laughs> no, Robin, Robin was fine for a long time. What do you mean? He played a lot for Chelsea. For oh, did he? Time. Okay, and then he, and he, then he just got moved Madrid, on. I yeah, I, I wasn't sure if he like fell out of favor and moved on or not. There's definitely some more in there who fall out of favor yeah. and have gone on to have quite but, successful. But careers. Salah and De Bruyne are examples yeah. of people who were like you know in the early stages of their career, like early twenties, mm-hmm. and just couldn't quite break into the Chelsea team. Yeah. So you know, don't, let's not give up all hope. <laughs> Let's not send him to Brighton just yet. Oh, boy. We are reaching for positives. Do you have any, do you have any more answers? Like no. places you would want to send him? Because mine were no. Man United, Wolves, and Schalke. Yeah. yeah. And mine was somewhere in the Premier League. I'll go <laughs> Newcastle, Everton, and also Wolves. There we go. Um, what, sorry, while I mentioned Schalke. But really not Newcastle, because that's just going to be terrible. I want to just shoehorn some news in. Did you mm-hmm. see this morning uh, the news that ESPN, mm-hmm. specifically ESPN+, Plus, will have the Bundesliga rights starting next season? Yes, it did. Yeah. So just letting people know on the show, if you go and watch the Bundesliga next year, it's going to be almost exclusively on ESPN Plus with just the occasional game on the actual ESPN channel. What are Fox doing? What are Fox doing? I think they just uh, spent all their money on the World Cup. Yeah? yeah? I mean, they have the next two of yeah. men's World Cups so at least. So I think they really focus on international, I think, right? So they've got, they've got a bit of MLS. They've got half the US friendlies, right? They share uh-huh. with ESPN. And then it's got Gold Cup, World Cup, and like a lot of the U17, U20 World Cups and all that. Yeah. 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 
All right. Honestly, I'm not going to worry about the uh, competing TV channels. As long as I have access to them, I'm pretty happy. I think it's just as long as there's still like an emphasis on putting out a quality broadcast. And if it gets to the point where they're like, oh, yeah, we still have that World Cup. I don't know, give them 20 no, bucks. They'll go, they'll go all in on World Cups. I hope so. Lexi Lalas will like, dress nicely and they'll, they'll put him on camera. <laughs> you, that, that's the entire budget is yes. Lalas's wardrobe. Lalas's budget yes. is wardrobe. Uh-huh. <laughs> next question? Yeah, let's do that. Moving swiftly on. Uh-huh. Uh, next question. I'm not, I'm not sure that's swift, but yes, we can move on. <laughs> From mm-hmm. Anti-I. Mm-hmm. A-N-T-T-I-I. Um, I assume I is an initial. Um, UEFA Europa Conference League, hit or miss? <laughs> I love this question because it's a nice short question. I loved – I forget who it was who tweeted uh, – maybe it was Graham Rothman who was like, ah, yes, when I think of like competitive, exciting European competition, I think the conference. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not a great I name. maybe they haven't thought about the uh, like colloquial thing of the conference being the fifth tier mm-hmm. of English football. Um, we should explain what the UEFA Europa Conference League is. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. It is going to be – the third tier of European competition. Mm-hmm. So Champions League is your top one. Europa League is your second tier. Europa Conference League is your third tier. It's going to start in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, it was previously going to be known as Europa League 2. So that gives you an idea of really what it is. I think I might have preferred that. I think so too. It's more straightforward. Yeah, right? and you know what it is. Europa Conference League feels like they're trying to hide something. <laughs> I want it to be the Champions League, the not quite Champions League, and then the Europa League. Yeah, Let's just do it that way. definitely not Champions League. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so the idea, I think, that like is that you get smaller uh, European clubs from yeah. smaller countries who yep. wouldn't otherwise be able to compete or even qualify yeah. for competitions like the Europa League, let alone the Champions mm-hmm. League. Now there is a competition where they can compete, where yep. they can potentially thrive, play other European competitions so that everybody or many more They're people... equal footing, right? Yeah. yeah. But you also get more, like, like the idea of getting... Like, I remember being in Istanbul when Besiktas would have European games. It was an exciting evening. Like, you knew there were, like, foreign fans coming to town yeah. and you knew it was going to be like a night game and it was going to be fun you know who they play on thursday uh it's wolves right it's wolves yeah i think you're going to win that one uh, <laughs> i really do uh, but so these teams now get those sort of european evenings that they wouldn't otherwise ever get so yes. you're going to get a team from malta playing a team from Liechtenstein, but they're going to be of like <laughs> equal quality sizes yeah. equal sizes so it makes it that much more exciting and there's not going to be a big tv audience for that no. and it's going to be on thursday same day as the europa league and it's going to be overshadowed because there'll be bigger teams playing yeah. in the europa league um but those teams still get to play, right? Mm-hmm. And they have a European adventure. I I kind of like the idea, to be honest, because it's also, from what I read, it's a lot of teams that, um, say you're in the Europa League qualifying rounds, and I know from being a Wolves fan this season, there's a lot of rounds to Europa mm-hmm. League qualifying. You have to go through a lot of stages, jump through a lot of hoops. A lot of teams get knocked out in those stages, and that's the European adventure over. Now you'll get sort of relegated. You'll miss out in the Europa League. You'll get sort of put down to mm-hmm. the Europa Conference League. Um, and then the other element of this is they'll, the Europa League is going to shrink a little bit. Mm. You know, right now there's like a million groups. It's like a 48-team <laughs> group yeah. stage. It's going to be 32-team right. group stage in the Europa League. So the quality of the Europa League will go up, and then some of those lesser teams will play in the Europa Conference League. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's 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 not necessarily a hit or a miss for me. I guess it's somewhere in between because – like I'm, I'm okay with the idea behind it. I yeah. do not live in Europe, especially a smaller European country where they don't get much Champions League or Europa League. Yeah, but it's more. So we're not going to watch it, but we like the idea. Yeah, I mean, and maybe I mean it's the same way that I say I want to watch more Europa League because that's like emerging players, emerging managers, yeah, yeah. and then I don't actually but do then, that. Then you're busy on Thursday. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is maybe a little bit the same, and yeah. so and you could watch Man United in the Europa League. I mean, or maybe even the Europa Conference League, depending <laughs> on how things go. Uh, <laughs> 
it's funny because it also makes me cry. Uh, but like, so I think that's exciting. But it's not a thing that I'm necessarily myself going to be excited about or yeah. plan on watching. So yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like dill. I understand people like dill. I think it tastes terrible. Yeah, but and you're wrong. I'm, I'm and that's glad fine. That other people enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to say the idea is a good idea. Mm-hmm. I think um, the then naming and branding is awful. You may as well have just gone Europa League too. Yeah, Elect- I think that'd be fine. Electric Boogaloo. Why not, why not just mirror it all the way down? First of all, uh, yes, obviously that. <laughs> Approved. Yeah. And then wh- why not just follow uh, like the English model of like you could have Champions League, Premier League, fine. Yeah. And then you've got like the Championship Europa- European Division. <laughs> and then you could have League One European Division. We're good. I mean, they've gone all the way to conference already. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just keep it going down. It's already there. <laughs> um, should we move on to a very straightforward question? Yeah, sure. Okay. This question is from... Tony Yunker, uh-huh. can you be offside passing to yourself? Right? You, can so, when, you can when you're smoking whatever, t- whatever Tony was smoking to I lead know, to this I question. I want to say this question is <laughs> okay. just like right. no one's ever – maybe yep. he's just never seen this. Mm-hmm. So he's wondering if you sort of pass the ball through and then run onto your own pass, mm-hmm. can you be offside? The answer is no. No. You absolutely cannot because uh-uh. you're not passing to someone else. Even if it looks like you've passed to yourself, it's still technically a dribble, right? It's the same as dribbling through. Yeah. Even if you've done it in a way that looks like a pass. Yeah. Because if you if the ball is like if a, a goal kick is taken long and you flick it on and then you run on and get on the other side, you have still flicked it on to yourself from yeah. an on, onside position. But then you also – you. If you're flicking it on, you're definitely starting in an onside position anyway, mm-hmm. right? So there's no, yeah, there's no, even if you could be offside by passing to yourself, mm-hmm. you still physically couldn't because then you'd be in two places at once. The only way I think this is possible is if, like, for whatever reason, you were through on goal and you went to, like, square it backwards to your teammate and you, like, drove it at the teammate and it hit off the teammate and came back to you. But even, like, and then it's then, a pass from the teammate exa- to you, right? Exactly. Yeah. What I'm saying is, like, if you were facing the wrong way, I'll be nice. If I was facing the wrong way, you tried to pass it to me and it, like, hit off my back and then came back to you. Now you'd be in an on- offside yeah, position. Yeah, that's it. Weirdly, a back pass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's the, the the other kind of back pass. Right? Yeah, and then maybe the old rule uh, would have been before there was like the defender making a deliberate play. Could be that if you were the defender and I was trying to go around you, and I like played it off of you to myself, and then I was in an offside position. Yeah. Maybe that would be My it. My dad always talks about. It. He saw George Best do that. Really, like, play it off somebody, like like, like uh, bank it off of someone's shins. That's pretty solid. Yeah. That's pretty solid, and seems like a I've, thing. I haven't had any video evidence that this happened. He just claims to have seen it live and. Um, I, I don't have the guts to call him a Ah, for the good old days when you could claim stuff because yeah, everything right? wasn't broadcast and recorded <laughs> and made uh, available to the public. But yes, I think the the very likely answer to Tony's question is no. no. You cannot be offside passing to yourself. All right. So asked and answered. Yes. We, have we got time for a final question? I know that you've got, yeah. you've got to be places. Why not? Uh, it comes from Dylan Tilbury. Uh, I, I pronounce it with the British accent there. Uh, what is the uh, least... After you. <laughs> See, that's how you end up not starting. Yeah. And now you're being sent back to Shaka. <laughs> uh, what is the least important player position in professional soccer, whatever Daryl plays? Is that answer <laughs> different for adult leagues and other non-professional forms of soccer? I really think there isn't a least important position. Agreed. I think soccer is a weak link sport. Unless Jesse Lingard's playing, in which case, whatever he's yeah, playing. Where, where if you have a bad player in a position, mm-hmm. that position will get exploited. Yes. If you have a terrible left back... The opposition team is going to absolutely murder your right flank. This is the thing or go that, down their own right. This is the thing that drives me crazy. Sorry for stepping on this, but like you, you've just like made my rage meter go off. <laughs> it's the thing that drives me nuts about people like Chuck Klosterman, who always argues like, "Oh, it's a, like you can go out and hide some kids out there, and it doesn't matter. It's eleven players, and only one person has the ball. It doesn't really matter." Which somehow isn't an argument against football, whatever. <laughs> but like, it's 
Absolutely not true because any good manager, maybe at like U10 level, but even then a coach at like like at like travel soccer U11s will be able to spot like that kid is not good. Put him under pressure. Like yeah. you can't really hide kids and you certainly can't hide adults or professionals, uh, nor should you because if it's a professional team, I think your goal is to not hide people. Your goal yeah. is to probably adjust your game plan to suit the players you have. So I think if you have Twanzee being the example here, like Axel Twanzee cannot play with his left foot, it seems. So if you're going to play him at left back, you've got to put people around him who can be in supportive positions so that he can comfortably play with his right foot. You've got to adjust to what your vulnerabilities are so that ideally you don't have any least important players. You have everybody functioning well. So maybe that's the answer is like it comes down to the manager. (laughs) Like almost you can have a a not good enough manager and that makes people be the least important players on the field. (laughs) I will say that maybe 20 years ago, mm-hmm. you could argue that fullback was the least important position because it was just like players who weren't big enough to be centre-backs, yeah. weren't skillful enough to be wingers, but could just sort of fill in and do a job. Mm-hmm. You could have them as your fullback and get away with it in a 4-4-2. Yeah. But like the, the way soccer's changed in the last few years, fullbacks are, you could even, I'm not going to, but you could if you wanted to make the argument that they're the most important position because mm-hmm. they're, like, they're your sort of secret late arriving attacking weapons right and ever since guys like Marcelo were playing um fullback has just become this really important position it's wherever a lot of attacking threat comes from look at Trent Alexander-Arnold for Liverpool how important he is joining the attacks and I think that extends I think that's a very good argument and I think it extends to a lot of different positions like you look at Barcelona and how often their center backs one or both are somehow involved in actual like built up attacks not just set pieces but like PK running through on the end of a long ball and like putting it on goal like that is not a thing that used to happen, that your yeah. center back would go charging forward, and certainly your fullbacks wouldn't either, hence the term fullback. <laughs> um, I, okay, I want to try and like get an, I don't think there's a mm-hmm. least important position because I think you just anywhere that's, yeah. anywhere that's vulnerable gets exploited. But I do see the logic in the argument that the very best players in the world play in the middle, mm-hmm. right? Like yes. The most talented players, the most round, well-rounded players mm-hmm. tend to play central midfield. Yeah. Is that true? Um, yes, I think so. So is it fair to say that maybe central midfielders are actually better footballers than fullbacks? I heard the argument that like like Frank Lampard was naturally a better coach than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because he was a central midfielder. And I have to admit it makes sense that if you are tasked with seeing everything that's happening on offense and defense and out on the channels and how to connect everything and be aware of everything else that's happening and responding to it, yeah, that's what a coach does. And yeah. you can see why central midfielders – do seem to be kind of better equipped to be managers. Obviously, a lot more goes into it. But yeah, I think that's probably the case. That like, And, and on a playing level, you could say that the Chelsea team that Lampard played in, mm-hmm. Frank Lampard was definitely a better footballer than Branislav Ivanovic uh, yeah. playing right back. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of like that. I mean, shots fired at Branislav Ivanovic, but yeah, yeah sure. Well, yeah, but <laughs> shots fired by Lampard going in. <laughs> that's true. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so yes. I does, think, that, does that mean that fullback's less important because you have to be a better player to play central midfield? I'm actually sort of trapped in my own logic here. Right. I don't know what I'm, get, what I'm saying. I, w- I was a little confused. Yeah. I'm glad you said it yourself. I would say this. So like at professional level, I don't think there is a least important player or position. I think it's how each player and position is utilized. Yeah. I think at amateur level and at like amateur adult level especially, maybe you can have like you can hide some players. You can put some players out wide maybe or you can maybe put a – 
Like, it's like say you've got a slower player who is, is a little bit bigger who won't be able to play up and down as like a wide midfielder. You could potentially put them as a fullback and have like then guard them with a much better right winger or right midfielder. Yeah. So you could sort of do it that way. But again, I think you're then looking at individual players as opposed to a specific yeah. position. And you also end up sacrificing things, right? Because yep. we know from our team, mm-hmm. we've like, you know, had some players who were new soccer players. Yeah, I, was, I was dancing around actually saying that that experience was from our team. But, yes. right, but, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. but we're coaching a team mm-hmm. with some guys who have never played before. Right. right, and I definitely noticed that the the least dangerous to us place to put them mm-hmm. is on the wing. Yep. Right, because then uh, they can't make a mistake that lets someone through on goal. Mm-hmm. Right, and they and we can still have a striker who's dangerous, but then we've got these two wingers who maybe aren't so dangerous. But we noticed this last week. What ends up happening is if you have two players who are inexperienced soccer players on the wing your team ends up being very narrow mm-hmm. and not exploiting any width at all. Right. So even though you've sort of you've minimized danger to yourself by sort of quote unquote hiding these players on the wing, you've kind of ruined any game plan you had of playing wide, yeah. right? So it is it's still obviously very important because you you lose a whole thing by mm-hmm. putting someone out there. Yeah. 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 I mean it it is the difficulties of managing a team like that, but managing in general and playing soccer in general yeah. is that everything is important and everybody's got to be able to play. One more thing I would say, though, like because I now then found myself wondering, like, well, maybe should we be trying to hide people more centrally? Like, is that a place you could balance it out? Because if, if you have three central midfielders, you could put like a weaker one in there. I, I actually think for our team, we could try that. I, I think we, we could. could I we think have it, some very strong midfielders I and the balance would. in the in the midfield would mm-hmm. be like two really good players and one inexperienced player. The two really good players might make up for it. Might, Might, being the very key phrasing there. Yeah, yeah. You are welcome to try that. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that it's it's much more difficult. Arsenal do it with Gendouzi. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. They do it with Shaka. He's the one you pick on, <laughs> I was going to say. There we go. Um, but I also think like central midfield is more challenging because if you're going to put somebody who isn't as familiar or as new to the game as right midfield, you can say, like, go stand on the right touchline. Be as wide as you can when we have the ball. When we don't, go mark that guy. Yeah. Very basic instructions. Central midfield it's a lot more challenging because oh, when yeah. do you step, when do you track? Do yeah, you need yeah. to stay central? Do you need to go wide? Well, now I'm wide. Am I a left midfielder? Like, Always it's, check your shoulder. Yeah. yeah it's it gets a lo- very complicated. It's a lot more complicated. That's why Branislav couldn't do it. Exactly. <laughs> he could do it for our team probably. I would guess. I would guess. <laughs> well, thank you to Ref Joe, to Anti I, to Tony Juncker, and to Dylan mm-hmm. Tilbury for today's questions. If you would like to ask us a question, we love getting questions. And by questions, I actually mean questions, not your opinion mm-hmm. with the word thoughts question mark on the end. Uh, please send them to totalsoccershow.com com slash questions totalsoccershow.com slash questions I'll put the link in the show notes send us your questions we love them please do we love them indeed and yeah. we'll maybe do some more questions later on in the week but yeah. for right now I think if we get good ones you're, you're heading to Boston tomorrow I am shipping mm-hmm. off to Boston yeah Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday I'll be in Boston for um, uh, immunotherapy infusion mm-hmm. and then a fun biopsy on Thursday morning yay, yay. fun 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 but yeah. hopefully back Friday to do some listener questions yes. to do some uh, maybe weekend previewing or something like that yeah. we shall see I also I'm available you could maybe get me on the show during the week uh, if, if needed I can make an appearance yeah we'll see We'll see. All right. Well, I happen to know you've got a couple of really good guests lined up. I do indeed. I don't want to give anything away. You should. But I know I'll be listening. There we are. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right, Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Right back at you, buddy. Listeners, thank you as ever for listening, and we will talk to you again very soon. 